0: Welcome to What If, I'm your host Karim Moustaknyi and today we are in London uh, at the beautiful office of Facebook and our guest is Nadine Kuzam. Nadine, thank you for inviting us here. Hi, Karim. <laughs> <laughs> um, Nadine is an ex-Olympian uh, in the field of hockey um, and she currently works on digital inclusion, uh, first for providing internet access through her work at Facebook. And second, by training the next generation through her nonprofit Code and Play, uh, mainly in Belgium at the moment, right? Yeah. Okay.
1: So we're teaching kids uh, digital skills uh, within primary schools. Okay. Um, by training them and training their teachers to have something that's sustainable.
0: When did you start? Pardon? When did you start?
1: We started uh, two years and a half ago. Okay. So 2017. Okay. And it's been going well. Uh, of course, at the beginning it was difficult because you need to convince uh, schools and uh, parents that digital is something good and not right. especially something bad for their children. Right. Um, that's not just about gaming. Uh, that change is happening, and so now it's uh, it's picking up well. We're receiving schools now asking for it, mm. which is a huge step um, forward. And then now we need to train them all, get the right content, uh, okay, get something that makes sense.
0: And do you work mainly with public schools or? Private schools as well.
1: We're public and private, uh, but Belgium is ninety-five percent public schools because uh, the education system is public by by default.
0: Okay, how did you got into that topic of inclusion? Like, tell us a bit more about your childhood and how did you had like t- uh, touching points with that.
1: I think maybe two things. Um, first, like I, I've played team sports since I'm. I'm like since I can remember, actually. Uh, and in team sports, it's simple. Like, the strength of your team is the strength of the weakest um, player. And so you always train as a group. You always want everyone to improve. Um, and so even if you're competing for a position on a field, mm. you're still willing that everyone improves and everyone gets better because you know that in the end, you're moving as a group. Uh, and so that, for me, put, puts me in the mindset of, Inclusion, like everyone needs to move together and move forward. Uh, or at least be given the opportunity. If some decide they don't, don't want to, at least they're given the opportunity. Uh, and then, like, maybe family wise, I think my parents are hugely caring, uh, the doctors as well. And so I think it's uh, it's also in me, like so from the of beginning. Part de- DNA, right? Part of my DNA, too. <laughs> To care for others and make sure that everyone is uh is on board and and i see it in my day-to-day life uh, whether it's work or personal like i just feel bad if someone is uh is left apart and so uh can you give give
0: a concrete example of one time that you experienced someone being absolutely not included
1: well there are tons of examples. maybe one that would talk to more people is a simple example of someone like at a at the dinner, like not feeling that well, and then everyone is having a lot of fun and discussing, and you feel that someone is. Uh, well, I felt that someone was uh, a bit off, and so I don't know. I, it can sound like cheesy, but I have troubles enjoying if I see that someone is uh, is not. Um, so I directly went to that person and had a talk and like what's not yeah. going well, and then tried to reorient like the whole dinner and event around like. Let's make that person feel better because that person didn't like the setup it was currently at and tried to, to reorient it.
0: Okay, understood. And um, if you think now about diversity, how is there a connection between diversity and inclusion?
1: Yes and no. Um, so there is a, a connection in the sense that uh, inclusion wants everyone in. Uh, diversity wants to make sure that all different types are included. Um, so one might be the subset of the other, but they're playing at different levels uh, in the sense of you can have all diverse, like all diverse opinions and gender and race and culture represented, but still leaving like fifty percent of the population apart
0: okay. because you're
1: only taking fifty percent of all these diverse people. Okay. And so inclusion, at least for me, is about making sure that everyone follows and that no one is left apart. Um, and then of course. It involves uh, having all the diverse uh, backgrounds it goes further. Mm -hmm.
0: Can you tell us the story of how you got also to Olympia through your sport, um, and also how you experienced the benefits of inclusion while you were doing that sport?
1: It's pretty straightforward. Um, I mean, when you prepare for a game, you always analyze your opponent. when you're playing against weaker teams, you often have one two players that you know you can target because they're a bit weaker and so you would tend to analyze those players and know like we should maybe play a bit more on that side or when that player is on the field we should try to put more pressure, to try that strategy. Um, and so that, that's the best example of if your whole team is not going with you then, then you're exposing yourself. Uh, and there are many things you can't solve on your own, and I was a goalkeeper, and it's the best position to understand that you can't control everything. Like, if you get three attackers coming at you, they will score, and if not, like, they're really bad, but you need to play as a group, and you can't solve every problem on your own.
0: Okay, what was your biggest success there?
1: I'd say my biggest success, like, our biggest success in sport was
0: Ah, oh, nice, you mentioned our.
1: <laughs>
0: that speaks to you, Nadine.
1: It was to qualify for the Olympic Games, uh, because in Belgium we never had any female team qualifying for the Olympic Games. It was the only time, and hopefully it won't be anymore. Um, and so that, that was a big thing. Which year was that? 2012. Okay. And uh, we were 17th in the world, and only 12 teams could qualify. So it was not really expected from the Olympic Committee. Um, It was not in our object, like it was on our personal objectives, but it was not on the Federation's objective. It was nice to have, to get that early. Okay. But uh, there was, that was a moment where we felt like everyone was, like we were just one and like fighting really hard to get there, uh, to qualify, no one was doubting we we could do it. And, And that group and that pack made it.
0: How did it make you feel?
1: Cool. <laughs> <laughs> I like that.
0: It <laughs> yeah, was a high five. <laughs> I like that. Now okay. You're
1: high and have been in the cloud for, uh, for a while. Uh, okay. Because you're sacrificing a lot of things to get there. Okay. Uh, you're very down when you miss it, because of course we miss it as well. Um, but but
0: okay. then you work as a team together to get back on track, right? I mean, yeah. that's part of inclusion, right?
1: Yeah. Though, when you fail you you have a moment where you need to be on your own and to digest it on your own before going to your team uh when you win you're just a, a pack okay. you win in a group and uh always you know, i mean when you lose you lose as a group as well and then you get back together to uh to strengthen but it feels more lonely
0: okay and to make the bridge to facebook how do you interpret uh, uh inclusion here at your work
1: So, what I do is bringing internet access and good quality internet access uh, to people who don't have access or bad quality. And so, for me, I see technology as a really good force, like a really big force for good or for bad. And it's bringing a lot of um, innovations, uh, new ways of thinking, new ways of doing. Um, But almost half of the population, 50% of the planet, doesn't have access to internet yet. So if you think about how we behave on a day to day and how dependent we are from internet, try to remove that from our lives. And a lot of people don't have those opportunities. And so that's where I see inclusion, is we should not keep on trying to move faster and faster with blockchain, with AI, and with everything we do just to reach further if we're not able to bring everyone with us. Because we're living now 50% of the world like. Try to add AI. Try to add IoT. Try to add VR. Like, who who can get on VR at the moment? Like, capitals. True. Because um, you need really high internet speeds. And so, if some people still don't have access, mm. how do you how do you bridge that?
0: And now, looking like at the values that you learned at sport, right? You wouldn't leave your teammates behind. But that's what we're currently doing with society, pretty much. Yeah. Okay.
1: That uh, I see. as... We're all playing individual sports, instead of playing it as a team, and that it's about who's going to have the flag of, I did the best VR thing, or I did the best um, blockchain uh, idea and new innovation. Um, but we're not thinking of, did everyone catch up meanwhile? Okay. And I mean, internet access is the most obvious, but then if you continue down the road, is, and that's the aim of Code and Play. Is, We're leaving like so much of the population who have access but still don't understand anything and are dependent on people who do understand and tell them I swear it's true. And then even further like you just continue that chain.
0: Okay, and now to come to our what-if question Um, Let's imagine what if every human on planet Earth uh, were included how do you think, what would be the impact for, for society, like in good and bad ways, but what would be like your first associations? Maybe starting with the good part.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'd <I'll> be happy. <laughs> <laughs> okay. By being happy, I'd make a lot of people happy. <laughs> okay. um, I think it would, like, that's what we should aim for. Uh, I was joking when I said I would be happy, but I think it overall would make people happier. Um, the simple way is like you will stop feeling guilty when you see a homeless person. Um, but the more complex way is if we all are at a level where we can live, we can afford, we're we're having our life. We don't look towards someone who's more successful, who because that person is uh, uh, has some super IoT devices and I cannot have them. Uh, I'm aspiring to something I cannot get to. If And and I think when we reach inclusion, these disparities will still exist, but it will be based on choice. It's do you want to work really hard, then make more money, uh, but then like have less time for your family, for your kids, and these will be conscious choices. Mm -hmm. And so some people will have regrets, but overall I think um, it's a position where you are where you are because you made a conscious choice of, no, I want to focus on these things and I'm giving up on those ones. Um, whereas at the moment, uh, like many people can just be unhappy because they would like to reach somewhere, but they don't have the opportunity. Inclusion for me is equality of opportunity.
0: Okay. So having everyone having a fair chance, right?
1: Yeah.
0: But isn't it interesting that if you look at certain areas in the world that people are, despite the fact that they don't have so much, are much happier than certain countries where they have everything and are less happy.
1: Yeah. It might be because once you have what we call everything, it means you have access to knowledge and to the information of where other people and uh, how these other people live. Right. So you're conscious um, that you cannot reach there. Um, but I, I don't exclude that if we reach inclusion, mm-hmm. some people will still feel bad that they didn't make a certain decision. Okay. And I don't know, for love, you decided and if you wanted to grow your family, and then 10 years later, you're. Conscious that maybe you would have wanted to, uh, to spend more time on your career, um, these things would still happen. But, um, but yeah, I believe, and maybe I'm totally wrong, that people are happy because they're focused on themselves or their surrounding and they're not seeing what they're missing. And like, if we knew how we could live in hundred years from now, maybe we'll be like super unhappy now. Maybe we'll be happy.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Let's hope for the best. Uh, Okay, but do you think at the moment we compare ourselves too much with other people in that context of inclusion? Would it decline, or if everyone was included?
1: It's. A comparison is, is difficult because you're always comparing with something. Like, are you happy? Me?
0: Oh, yeah, I'm yeah. very happy. <laughs> <laughs> okay.
1: But how do you know you're happy? Because you were bad at some point. Or- uh, uh, yeah,
0: I think I compare myself with myself like a week ago, a month ago, and a year ago. So I think that's more the way I compare and compare to my high school time, where I compared myself all the time and also especially in social networks. Um, but I compare myself less now. Yeah.
1: But you know you're happy because you're comparing with
0: yeah, before. Kareem from one way, awful guy.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's the question of, do you need to to be unhappy at moments to know you're happy at others? Can you be happier than you are now? And then you'd be like, oh, no, at the time, I wasn't that happy.
0: That's a good question. How, how would you see it, just to bring it back to you?
1: <laughs> <laughs> but that, that, that's a, the that's a point I'm, I'm trying to make is that we we are built to compare. Uh, ideally, we should not compare with others. That's also what we learn in sport, is compare to yourself and get better than yourself over time. But, but you're always comparing to something. Right. There is no absolute answer. And that's where. Uh, OK. So, yeah.
0: And, and uh, to come back to that point that you said, um, Nadine, where once everyone is included, that means everyone has a fair opportunity or fair chance. Um, how do you think when everyone has a fair chance people would develop what would it depend on to develop in a certain direction because having a fair chance is one thing but do you think the environment would be important to support certain people to use those opportunities more
1: yeah definitely I think uh, communities is something we like humankind into um Go towards, and that community makes you aware of things you could do, uh, can push you uh, as well. Like I personally saw it as by being surrounded by people who do certain type of things, and you realize, oh, actually I can. Mm. Uh, so there are some barriers that are um, at the moment that are uh, physical or economical, uh, but there are mental barriers that we put to ourselves, and having people to tell you, hey, you can do this or I'll help you and I'll explain you how it works, then you, you can reach uh, steps that are... Uh... Th-
0: that's super interesting. Um, I've read somewhere lately that one of the biggest dangers for humanity, even more than obesity, um, is actually isolation. Because I think that is even a bigger danger. Cause, and you just said we actually need a better community to support each other. So do you think once everyone is included, we need to support Building better communities where we take care of each
1: other. Yeah, I think it's even part of the inclusion. Is if you want to be inclusive and give everyone the different opportunities, uh, it's not just giving them the money, giving them the infrastructure. It's giving them the advice, uh, and giving them the mental support, uh, and it doesn't have to be like someone giving mental support. It's that community that um, makes that people exchange how they did something, how they improve. Um, and help each other.
0: Oh wow! Okay. Understood. Uh, what would you say would be the negative outcomes of inclusion if every human was included?
1: <laughs> Ecology. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, in the sense of we're we're already like too far on the, on climate. Um, like we're putting too much stress on the the planet, and and we is twenty to fifty percent of the population so, if we reach 100% at that level, uh, we're surely in deep trouble. Um, So, yeah, that would be a really bad thing. It would probably bring us to rethink the way we live, the way we consume, Uh, did we go too far, how can we be more conscious?
0: Okay. So, do you think if once everyone is included, we need to focus more on education to not get into that negative part of inclusion?
1: Um, It's a good question. Education is a broad word. Education is a solution to everything.
0: I I like to use buzzwords. (laughs) (laughs) But then I have experts here like yourself to tell me what that actually means, what I just
1: said. (laughs) Um, Can you repeat the question?
0: Uh, Like um, once everyone is included, do you think education would be a step to make sure that people don't ruin Earth and the uh, environment? Or what could be a way to have everyone included, but without the bad sides of it?
1: Yeah, I think if you ask the why of a problem, like, enough times you'll end up to education. Um, and so the steps before, um, I would say, are awareness uh, and educated information. Like, How do you create awareness? I'm a data scientist, so, <laughs> yes, so <how> do you <laughs> I do might that? go in that danger zone, but the climate at the moment, we have no clue like where we should act. What is polluting more? What is polluting less? Are you looking at individuals? Are you looking at uh, companies? And and I think that, that would be the first step, is to just open up on, okay, these are the elements. Uh, these are the, mo- the places where we as individuals should go a bit backwards like switch your light off, uh, don't drive in a huge car if you don't need it, uh, delete your emails when you're not going to read them. But also, like, how are companies- What do you mean Was
0: delete your emails if you don't read them? What's the impact there?
1: An email is, or any data online, photos and everything, they're stored on data centers. Data centers are a huge consumer of uh, energy. And so that's actually polluting a lot if you decide to not empty your mailbox. Oh. Your
0: so zero email box is not like a hipster thing. It's really good, actually. <laughs> yeah. And
1: oh, well. email is one, but.
0: Uh, yeah, yeah, sure. But I, I mean, as a, one of the easy ways to actually do something. Yeah. OK, interesting.
1: Like cloud, if you're using the cloud instead of using a hard drive, you're also consuming uh, data centers that are, that are running. Uh-huh. But then like, like Facebook, for example, their data center is 100% renewable energy. Uh, and they're trying to be as efficient as possible on the way they consume the energy. And, and wow. that's my second point, is we touched on the individual, so what are the things that us as individuals can do, but what are the things that companies should change and that are more expensive, but if they're enforced by a government, would then be just necessary. And like having data centers that are 100% renewable energy or uh, like below certain pollution thresholds, um, the, all these things need to, be, uh, need to be put on, like watching a, a movie on Netflix, I don't want you to stop watching movies on Netflix, but it's consuming because Netflix is not uh, green on their data centers either. And so... Because
0: they cannot be or they don't want to be? Because you- it's very
1: expensive. Okay. So um, they have to
0: make the subscription higher?
1: Yeah, and if they make the subscription higher, then people won't be willing to pay.
0: Unless they're conscious about it now, after listening to this and understanding it's okay, that (laughs) (laughs) that Netflix has to make some more money.
1: That's where I'm a believer in regulations. Okay. Because if you're forced to have data centers that are clean, if they can be clean, um, then companies have to do it, and it's in their business model. Okay. If it's an optional thing, then Facebook will do it because they have enough profit but others won't won't be able to afford it. Understood. That's one, and then two, you're not pushing the uh, ecosystem to evolve that way, because data centers are mainly uh, in countries that have renewable energies, but a lot of countries don't have renewable energy. So what if uh, Netflix want to build the data centers in Germany? I don't know how far Germany is with renewables, but...
0: (laughs) Okay, can you summarize the three points that you mentioned uh, what should be done by individuals, um, companies, and governments?
1: So there are things that should be done by the individuals mm-hmm. uh, like um, switching the light off, um, deleting your emails, and um, I don't remember. Not taking every
0: flight if you don't have to, really.
1: Yeah. <laughs> okay. So as an individual, like, switching the light off, uh, decreasing your flights when you don't have to, um, deleting your emails. Then also you have the work as as the companies, like how can they be greener in their uh, energy consumption, whether it's um, the trash that they're producing, whether it's uh, the running of data centers that is very uh, energy consuming. And then there's the role of the government. How can the government enforce those things to happen? Uh, Because for individuals, it's mainly human conscious and government can enforce some, th- some things, but for companies, it's super important that government does it. Because if there is no incentive, it's expensive, and a company has no incentive to be more costly unless they have to.
0: I know, and would there be, beside the environmental issues, anything else negative that you would see was
1: inclusion? I wouldn't see it as negative uh, but it would be unstable in the sense that at the moment you can blame faith or the fact that you cannot do something and if everyone has the opportunity to do different things they want to do, if they're not somewhere it's because they didn't put the effort or they didn't uh, make the decision at the time, so it might be more open to regret Mm -hmm. uh,
0: some more mental topics maybe mental health issues maybe mental
1: health maybe also the fact you need to take care of yourself and be conscious of your decision because with the flow and the pace we tend to just go as things go and Mm -hmm. then somehow you always be like I ended up there because that's how it was going Uh, and I didn't have the other opportunity but if you know that you had any opportunity at any time and then You can regret a bit more later.
0: I I, I like the decision-making process of Jeff Bezos, for big decision at least. He always thinks, if I would be 80 years old now, would I regret this moment of doing something or not doing it? I think that looking in yourself into the future version of you and then comparing yourself, would you actually...
1: I don't like that. You don't like that? Because I'm the type of person who has troubles making decisions. Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) And I feel like where I'm not the only one, but I'm putting myself under too much pressure. Uh, so do I take this okay. job? Do I take that other job? Uh, okay, if I start thinking when I'm 80, would I be happy about that choice or not? I will not make any choice. <laughs> I
0: mean, not for every single one, right? <laughs> if you're a supermarket, should I take that yogurt that me imagine being 80? No, but a career but, decision. Yeah.
1: Like, okay. do I want to evolve towards uh, product management?
0: Okay.
1: Or do I want to evolve more towards partnerships?
0: How, how do you make your decision then if it's difficult for you? Is it more like uh, your stomach, you, like your inner feeling, or
1: uh, tend to look at impact.
0: Interesting. Which so one is great
1: the more yeah. impactful? So when I was on code and play, then Facebook contacted me. Uh, my point was, it's also uh, digital inclusion. We're fighting the digital divide.
0: So you can scale your impact.
1: Yeah, And Facebook is like likely to have a way bigger scale. Uh, so I should I should go for it uh, because the impact will be way higher. Uh, on the other hand, I didn't want to stop, got in place, so in the end, I didn't really choose. I just <laughs> did both. Great <laughs> <But>, choice. Uh, <laughs> by the time, it was a decision to uh, to accept Facebook and take the risk. to. Um,
0: Can you give another example from your life where you took impact measurement as a decision making tool for something else?
1: For something else than this? Uh, well, this one was a big one for me. <laughs> True. Um, yeah, I mean, work-wise, it's always the case. It's um, code and play. Um, we decided to take the route of going into schools uh, because a school is mandatory and free in Belgium. And so that way I know I'm going to reach everyone. And even if it's way more difficult, and I got many companies telling me we never succeed because schools are closed and they don't like it. technology. Like, for me, that was... That was the obvious way. Because if I try to solve and get parents one by one, convince them one by one, I'll reach some people, but not all. And that's also part of inclusion. But the impact like, if you reach a school, if you train a teacher, that teacher will be able to train like his class every year. Whereas you are like one person, you are like the number of animators you have. And if you in- go into a sustainable change, then you get a greater impact.
0: Okay, interesting. Um, a second last question: um, How could you ten times your impact right now with the work you're already doing with your uh, nonprofit and also your work with Facebook? Hmm. Not that you're not already doing enough.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Sleepless. <laughs>
0: <laughs> not on no, that. Definitely not. No, no.
1: Um, how can I ten times it? Um,
0: and you have an audience of people who want are impact-driven and want to support you, maybe.
1: I think, as stupid as it can sound for Code and Play, I would say having more, um, more money. Uh, and money doesn't buy everything, for sure, uh, and it's rarely a good answer. But for me, the biggest problem we have in the nonprofit sector is we cannot attract talents because of the uncertainty of a job, because you don't know for how long you are still uh, have money to pay salaries because you cannot go um, and pay good salaries. And so it's seen by people as I'm taking a hit on my career because I want to do something with social good. And mm. I think that would 10 times it because then you can attract real talent and be like a startup that everyone aspires to join and like huge talents would come uh, you don't have to take ages to convince them because that's for me the biggest problem at the moment is convincing people they should make this step, uh, and it wasn't easy for me either to at some point decide okay I'm leaving data science for an nonprofit, and uh, so I think that that would um, ten times the impact that what that nonprofits have is making sure you can track talents, um, bring more like awareness around hey, there are good people doing, doing those things and not just people who could not find a job and want to do something social or are ready to take a hit in their career. OK. Uh,
0: super interesting. I think I have to connect you with um, interview guests of What If episode 4, <laughs> Vladimir, <laughs> okay. who has built their company, Imalone, where they actually do predictive analytics for the social sector, where they want to figure out how we can actually spend the money for nonprofits and also for the social sector in a better way. So it might be interesting to talk with him and see if there are certain connections. So Vladimir, from episode four, <laughs> if you're listening to this, uh, I need to connect you with, um, with Nadine. So you're both shapers. So I think there might be some interesting connections. OK. Cool. Uh, last question, uh, this is the last question you always ask is, for anyone in the audience or anyone who's listening who wants to become um, 10% better in including people, what do they have to do and for someone who wants to become ten times better and in including others, what do they have to do?
1: Ten percent, I would say, be, be on the look. Because it's often that we we don't spend time looking at how a group is behaving. You're having fun and you're just enjoying. Uh, but look at your left, look at your right, do ask yourself, like, is that person uh, okay? And it's not a like, it's party, it's at work, it's uh, wherever around you, uh, that will do the 10%. And the 10 times, <laughs> uh, I would say, ask yourself that question at a higher level. Like, who in your surrounding, is ex- in your community, is excluded? It can be people not understanding uh, what digital, digital is. It can be people not able to afford an internet connection and these are the two that I know most because I'm working in. but there are many other ways to be uh, to be excluded and so think at a higher scale in your city in your country what type of persons are excluded and why so which ones do not have the same equality of opportunities as you have and how can you go towards something that gives them those opportunities and then connect with people doing the same things.
0: Fantastic. Nadine, thank you so much for your time. I absolutely enjoyed this interview. I absolutely admire your mission. Um, We uh, help you wherever we can with the What If community. So, thanks again for having us here in London at your office.
1: Thank you for coming, (laughs) Karim. Speak soon.
0: (laughs) Bye bye. So, you're not completely finished yet. After the interview with Nadine, I had a few email exchanges with her, or rather through Facebook. And we discussed the question of what if we don't include everyone, if we don't give everyone equal chances and opportunities. And as you can already see, that the huge gap between the elite and the majority of people. And that gap is currently growing if we don't include people. So rather telling you what we discussed with Nadine on the what if we don't include people, I'd rather leave it to your imagination And answer that question for yourself. What if we don't include everyone and don't give everyone equal chances? What if?